Welcome to the second episode of Looking Closer with Bet Greener. Bet Greener is a firm of patent and trademark attorneys. We provide intellectual property advice and are based in London and Spain. Today we're talking about our corporate social responsibility activities, more commonly known as CSR. We are really proud to have won two awards for our projects, and we'll tell you about this later. If you're thinking about setting up a CSR programme in your own organisation, or just want to know more about CSR generally, you will gain valuable insight by listening to today's podcast. I'm Alison Sweden at Beck Greener, and with me today are patent attorneys James Stones and Catherine Jewell, both partners at Beck Greener. Thanks for joining me, James and Catherine. Thanks, Alison. Great to be here. Thank you, Alison. It's great to be here. James, we work together on the CSR activities and you have been a major driver in leading the project at the firm. What are we covering today? Thanks, Alison. Today we're looking at corporate social responsibility or CSR. What it is, Beck Greener's CSR strategy and hopefully we will offer some useful advice to organisations contemplating their own CSR projects. You have mentioned CSR strategy. How and why did Beck Greener first get involved with CSR? Well, we applied for some uh, to work with a university uh, in 2013. And when filling out the tender document, there was a section in the document that uh, asked the question, what is your CSR strategy? So once we'd worked out what CSR actually meant, we realized that there were a number of ad hoc activities that we already did um, that would fall broadly into this category. And we worked up uh, these activities into a strategy as such. Um, And we filed the document, not thinking too much more about it, really. Um, We fared rather poorly in, in that tender. Um, And when we sought feedback, we realized that we'd fared particularly poorly in the CSR section. Um, We looked into it and we realized that the university is a public body and public bodies tend to be held to a high standard of CSR. And they expect their service providers to have similar CSR standards. So we had a decision as a partnership to make at this point we could either chalk this up to academics at universities being overly touchy-feely types, um, or there might be something more into it. Um, when we looked into it further, we realized actually that this is something that is becoming more and more important to businesses um, in the country and around the world. Now, uh, I don't, to anybody listening to this podcast, I don't know if you have put the word CSR into a search on the internet, But if you do, you get a bewildering number of hits. And I've likened it in the past to Alice falling down the rabbit hole. There are broadly three areas of CSR, environment, community and workplace. Now, we realized early on that we would not be able to uh, deal with activities in all three areas at the same time. So we elected for the first year to look at environment. And we signed up to the climate commitment of the Camden Climate Change Alliance. And this commitment um, meant that we would agree to try and reduce our carbon emissions by at least 2% annually. 
In order to achieve this, we introduced our sustainability project, uh, which we called a greener bet greener. So fortunately, the firm name lends itself to such a project. There were some easy wins. Uh, we could we changed our light bulbs, for example, from halogen bulbs to LED bulbs and made significant savings, both, both in terms of electricity consumption and in terms of money. We were able to achieve several marks of achievement um, issued by the Climate Change Alliance. These are the Cutting Carbon Mark and the Team Green Mark. And we're the only organization in Camden to have been awarded both marks each year for the last six years. Um, once our environment uh, project was established, we then started looking at other areas such as community and workplace. That's a great summary of why CSR became important for Beck Greener to focus on. Catherine, you lead the STEM Branching Out project. Tell us about it. Sure. But before I start talking about the project, I just want to say never underestimate the importance of a name. James has already mentioned our environmental efforts, which run under the banner of A Greener Bet Greener. For our community project, we decided on STEM branching out. And if you compare the impression that name makes with the more mundane working title, The Bet Greener Schools Project, I think you'll agree that what you call your project is important. A good name can really help with getting buy-in from staff and from senior management. So what is STEM branching out and how did this develop? Well, for anyone listening who's not aware, STEM stands for science, technology, engineering and maths. Sometimes you find these days that projects run under a, a STEAM banner where art is also included, but STEM is the, the older sort of original version. Um, and STEM careers are any careers involving any of those four disciplines, science, engineering, technology, or maths. So very early on in our uh, CSR journey, if you like, we became aware of the heart of the city. This is a charity working with companies across London to encourage them to do business responsibly, to have a genuine positive impact on their approach to community, workforce, and environment. Um, and we were lucky enough to be mentored through Heart of the City to help us to get our community project underway. And in the early stages, our mentor introduced us to the Legal Social Mobility Partnership as it was then. And they helped us to get involved in running a collaborative workshop with Nomura as part of that Legal Social Mobility Project. But we felt afterwards that this was a little bit too legal focused and not enough STEM focused um, for our preference. And we made the decision really that we wanted to focus on uh, STEM subjects, STEM careers, and the development of students in this area. Uh, London has the highest unemployment rates among graduates, yet the estimated STEM worker shortfall nationwide is around 40,000. So there is a big issue still with the skills gap across STEM disciplines, and its root cause starts very early. STEM engagement is estimated to decline by uh, 74% in girls and 56% in boys during secondary school. So there's still an issue in this area. Um, on top of that, the proportion of women working in core STEM occupations is only 21%. And only one in five students studying STEM in universities are BAME students. Uh, although the gender diversity in the intellectual property profession, which is our profession, is somewhat better. It's around 34% women, I think. Um, ethnic diversity seems to be worse and over 90% of UK patent attorneys describe their ethnicity as white. 
Um, so we really felt that it would be a, a win-win if we could get more secondary students um, to choose STEM subjects for GCSE or A-level or university courses, that this would uh, provide a bigger pool of candidates to, to become inventors, to become patent attorneys, to become IP solicitors, judges, examiners, and so on. So having decided to focus on, on STEM subjects and that pipeline, we looked for a way to get involved in promoting STEM subjects and STEM careers. And we came across uh, STEM Learning UK and their STEM Ambassadors project. So the STEM Ambassador project really is a, is a network. And the goal of the network is to provide enrichment opportunities to inspire young people to engage more with and consider careers involving STEM. The role of the STEM ambassador is to help teachers and other educators achieve that goal, for example, by mentoring students or by participating in STEM clubs or careers events and so on. And this STEM ambassador framework has really become the cornerstone of our community project. Through that work, we developed our invention spotting workshop, which is our core event that we run at, for example, big bang fairs or take out into schools and which forms a key part of our insight days that we run in-house. So we started from there and then we've gradually bolted on all the other parts of the project. So things like doing pro bono work with school age students, judging at big bang fairs, running enhanced work experience placements, hosting IT students on placements, taking on apprentices and so on. Um, and then we've gradually moved on to the next stage, which was developing our own in-house events and making these really the main focus of the project. So that's, I'm really talking there about the enhanced work experience placements and the insight days that we run. And we had good recognition at this stage of the project with, with a couple of um, really noteworthy awards. We were um, very pleased to win a Lord Mayor's Dragon Award, in fact, the Heart of the City Award for the Best New Community Project. And we also won a STEM Learning Award and both of those were in 2018. And that really, uh, gave us some validation for our approach and has allowed us to sort of push on to the next stage. Now at present, because of COVID, we had to cancel our in-house events for 2020, but we're gradually coming back on track and trying to focus on remote events for STEM ambassadors. And of course, once circumstances permit, we do intend to resume those in-house events if there's demand from schools and students. So STEM branching out is really a multifaceted project that's evolved over the past five years as we try to include more of our staff and also make our involvements with students more effective. Thanks, Catherine. That's really comprehensive. So, James, what do you think made this project award winning? Yes, well, um, I can only echo, of course, what Catherine's just said about winning the two awards. They are very prestigious awards in the CSR area, and we were absolutely delighted to, to have won them. Um, it really is a, a great validation of the work we've done in this area. Um, what I think the judges in these awards um, really picked up on um, are three things. The first would be the level of engagement within the firm. And as Catherine said, there's over 50% of staff in the firm are, are involved in our projects one way or another. And to have such engagement shows that the staff really buy into what we're doing and it enables us to continue and to expand. And uh, it, it means that the students hopefully get to see the different ways that they can contribute um, going forward. The second thing I would point out is, is the impact of the project. 
it is very easy to measure outputs. Uh, so we're talking in this context of the number of events that you might hold in a year, the number of hours you might dedicate to the project, the number of students you might reach. Those sort of metrics are very easy to measure. What is much harder to measure is the impact that your outputs are having. Now, with the assistance of STEM Learning UK, we were able to survey about 210 students before and after they took part in our invention spotting workshop. Now, the results of those surveys indicated that we doubled the number of students, both male and female, who said that they might consider a STEM career. So that is showing very significant impact um, of our project. I think the third point the judges uh, took into account is that it is really a perfect fit um, between the STEM branching out project and the core values of our firm. And this is something that the judges always look for, um, alignment of core values of the firm um, with your CSR project. And this really does fit perfectly. Thanks, James, that's lovely. Catherine, what two pieces of advice would you give an organisation embarking on its first CSR project? Um, well, certainly in terms of community projects, I would say, as James just alluded to, it's really important to try to match your project activities with the core values of the company. This makes it much easier to sell the project to senior management. So, for example, in our case, getting more people in STEM careers has clear business benefits in the longer term when you think about recruiting new patent attorneys, judges, inventors being inspired and so on. And the second thing that I think is important is to, to try to be really clear about the resources you're going to allocate to your project. You don't need to overstretch yourself. It's OK to start small and build slowly. Rome wasn't built in a day. I know we're in the middle of a pandemic, so any planning is really difficult. But James, tell me about what Beckwina's future plans are for 2021. Well, the plans for 2021 have necessarily been influenced by 2020. At very short notice, Beck Greener, like so many other businesses, had to move to remote working. Um, for us, this was a particularly significant change as we had no formal flexible working policy in place um, before the pandemic hit. So quite literally, we were 100% working in the office one week and then 100% working at home the next. So this necessarily meant that we had to scrap all of our plans for the STEM branching out project in 2020 and switch our focus to workplace, to staff well-being, staff inclusion, engagement. And the CSR team organized or helped organize um, a number of events throughout the year such as quizzes, uh, catch-up meetings within teams and other social events. So we move on to the current year, 2021, and we find ourselves still in a lockdown. We, as a partnership, do plan to retain flexible working, even when restrictions are lifted. So the plan this year will, first of all, focus on workplace, and we find ourselves with a new challenge where we have part of the office uh, working within the office and we have part of the office working at home. So we need to identify events suitable for both office and remote working. But we're also restarting the STEM branching out project. There are loads of events 
organized by STEM Learning UK that take place remotely. And we are, will be encouraging our FIENAs to take part in those events. That sounds really positive and exciting. Catherine, tell me, what are the wider benefits for firms implementing a CSR strategy? Well, generally, I think people enjoy volunteering and giving back. So it's good for staff in that sense. Another benefit in the intellectual property profession is it does really help with development of softer skills. Um, there's lots of things you can do when you're training people in the core skills of, of being an attorney, but it's much harder to train them in, in how to deal with people, how to think on their feet, um, how to not be thrown by the unexpected. And actually a lot of the work we've done with schools and students has been invaluable for developing those kinds of skills because being put in front of a class of students and having to deal with the unpredictable and the unexpected and keep your cool is very good practice. Um, in terms of other benefits, anything on the environmental side obviously is good for the environment and also has the added bonus of potentially saving some money for the firm. And of course, it is good for the firm's reputation. So there are, there are lots of wider benefits to CSR. And James, do you have anything to add to that? Yes, I think, I think it, it's a bit of a cliche, but doing good makes you feel good. Um, at our first event, which Catherine mentioned earlier, um, which was a collaborative event with Nomura, we carried out a claim drafting exercise with um, a number of students and uh, it lasted a couple of hours and so on. And after we're, it had finished and we're walking back to the office, everyone had taken part, all the Fianas from Bet Greener, we were all buzzing. So we ended up actually stopping for coffee on the way back to the office and we started discussing new ideas about how we could improve uh, the project and so on. So I think doing good makes you feel good. I think that's a very important uh, takeaway point here. Um, Something else we've noticed, actually, is something I believe is referred to as the virtuous circle. And what we are seeing is that people are attracted to Beck Greener because of the things we're doing in CSR. So they're applying to work at Beck Greener. This means that they actually have the same values as we have as a firm. And this enables the new employees to settle in more quickly and perhaps better in the long run. So James and Catherine, we're almost out of time. What can we pull together to summarise what we've heard today? Well, I think there's three key points for me. Um, start small and build. Look carefully at your available resources and try, if you possibly can, to match the core values of the business with any volunteering or, or outreach projects that you'd like to do. James, would you have anything to add to that? Well, yes, I, I do have a couple of comments I'd make here. The first is that I think it's really important that the organization has realistic expectations of their project. The fact of the matter is, the project is unlikely to change the world as a whole. You can, however, do your bit. If everybody does their bit, then we might just effect significant change. But in any event, you can certainly change the world for one or two individuals. The second point I'd make here is to stress the importance of being flexible. Things rarely go according to plan. You always encounter unforeseen obstacles and you try things that simply don't work. The important um, action point here is to get feedback from the people involved in the project. Don't be afraid to switch things up. You don't need to change the destination, just how you get there. I think all I would like to add is to emphasize the importance of getting senior management buy-in. 
that greases the wheels of any new project. And uh, if the staff see that you're leading from the top, then generally they will follow too. Thank you so much, James and Catherine, for taking us through Bet Greener's CSR activities and giving your advice to listeners to set up their own CSR projects. You can look at our website, betgreener.com, to see more about our CSR activities and follow the links. It is really inspiring and gives you plenty to think about. Thanks, Alison. Thank you, Alison. We'll have more insight and discussion from the world of IP in the next episode of Looking Closer. To make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes, why not subscribe to this podcast via your podcast provider? You can give us feedback and suggestions for future conversations via the BetGreener website, betgreener.com. If you're looking for intellectual property advice, we'd love to hear from you too. But for now, from all of us at BetGreener, thanks for listening and bye for now.